Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to explore 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at the agenda of four people. Decisions are made and actions are taken based on our agenda. An agenda may be personal, private, and selfish, or it may be noble, generous, and benefit others. An agenda may be demonically inspired or divinely inspired, as we will learn in our text today. We all have an agenda that we have built or borrowed. That's the big idea in today's podcast. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18, reading verses 1 to 19 in the New King James Version. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken one hundred prophets and hidden them fifty to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the springs of water, to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, How have I sinned that you have delivered your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hurt you. And when they said, He is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, Go tell your master Elijah is here? And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid one hundred men of the Lord's prophets, fifty to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, Go tell your master Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. 
So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the command of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. When we think of an agenda, we usually think of a list of points to be discussed at a business meeting or possibly a list of things that we have put down on our to-do list. The things on our to-do list, that is our agenda for that day. Those personal goals that we have set for ourselves, that is our agenda. There are different types of agendas. For example, a political party no doubt has a political agenda based on their political philosophy. This is true of each of the political parties in Canada. Some people may have a secret agenda. It is kept secret and hidden because they don't want you to know what their agenda is. Why? Because if they knew what your agenda was, they may prevent you from fulfilling that agenda. For example, your fellow worker may have a secret agenda to take your position in the office. Therefore, they wouldn't want you to know their agenda. There is a great book on this subject called Hidden Agendas. What's really going on in your relationships, in love, at work, and in your family? By Dr. Marilyn S. Patash. Looking at our text, we see four different people with four different agendas. An agenda is something which motivates us to move towards a certain goal. It is a list of items we check off, a plan of attack, or a set of goals to accomplish. An agenda can be something based on selfish, sinful motives, or it can be selfless and God-given. Everyone has an agenda of some kind. Today, let's examine four different agendas held by four different people. First, let's look at Ahab's political agenda. Ahab's agenda was to hold on to political power. All political parties operate according to this agenda. Yes, there are many other things on the agenda of a political party, but gaining and holding on to political power is at the top of the list. There is no shortage of men in this world who are seeking a position of power. Some examples are the Iraqi president, Saddam Hussein. He sought to hold on to power, but lost it. The Egyptian president, Hosni Mubarak, was another example. Libyan dictator, Muammar Gaddafi, is another example. All three of these Middle Eastern leaders lost their political power. Presently, we have the Assyrian president, Bashar al-Assad, who seeks to hold on to political power. The war going on over there is for political power. There is a political agenda behind this conflict. Unfortunately, much of the political maneuvering that we see today is related to seizing political power or holding on to political power. Ahab's political agenda was to keep and hold on to power in Israel. There was also a religious component to his agenda. 
Ahab used idolatry as a way to hold on to his political power. He adopted his political agenda from an earlier king of Israel named Jeroboam. If we look in 1 Kings 12, verses 25 to 29, that's when the kingdom of Israel was first divided north and south, the northern kingdom called Israel, the southern kingdom called Judah. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. That's 1 Kings 12, verses 26 and 27. So Jeroboam, fearing the people of Israel, would return to Jerusalem to worship on the feast days and then transfer their loyalty back to the king of Judah, that's Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. So fearing this, he therefore set out to set up his own religious system, an idolatrous, rival religious system to prevent loyalty to Jerusalem, Judah, and Jehovah. He established Dan and Bethel as new centers of worship setting up a golden calf in each place and declaring that these idols to be the gods which delivered Israel from the land of Egypt. He established a new priesthood from among all the people, not necessarily from the tribe of Levi as God had ordained. He set up a new religious calendar different from the one that God originally had set. Why did he do all of this? in order to hold on to political power in Israel. He wanted to break the loyalty the people had to Jehovah God because it spelt political disaster for Jeroboam. In 1 Kings 16, verses 29 to 33, it tells us that Ahab continued this political religious agenda that Jeroboam started. Now Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. That's 1 Kings 16, verse 30. Ahab was an exceedingly evil king, more wicked than Jeroboam, not only because he followed Jeroboam's idolatrous political agenda, but also because he married Jezebel, the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. Jezebel was a Baal worshiper who succeeded in influencing her husband, Ahab, to promote Baal worship in Israel. The Bible says that Ahab worshipped and served Baal. That's 1 Kings 16 and verse 31. And he built a temple to Baal in Samaria. That's 1 Kings 16 and verse 32. This same spirit of Antichrist This hatred of anything godly still exists today because evil spirits do not die. There is an agenda which still exists today to draw people away from God and replace him with something else. This is called idolatry. Beware of the enemy's agenda to break your loyalty to God, to break your affection towards God and your worship and connection to him. We see this agenda unfolding in many countries of the world today, where faith in Christ is outlawed and the followers of Christ are persecuted. It's criminal to be a Christian in some countries of the world. Right now, Christians are dying because of their faith in Christ. 
According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians in at least 60 countries are denied fundamental human rights solely because of their faith in Christ. Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, in its status of global missions, estimates the number of Christians who died as martyrs between 2000 and 2010 as about 1 million. This works out to be about 100,000 a year in that 10-year period. The International Society for Human Rights estimates a figure of between 7,000 to 8,000 Christian martyrs each year. These are verifiable cases of Christian martyrdom. A BBC article questions the Gordon-Conwell figure of 100,000 Christian martyrs. It doesn't question that 100,000 Christians died annually in a 10-year period. It questions whether they should be classified as martyrs. The BBC article concludes with this statement, and I quote, the truth is, two-thirds of the 2.3 billion Christians in the world today live in dangerous neighborhoods. They are often poor. They often belong to ethnic, linguistic, and cultural minorities. They are often at risk. And ultimately, I think that making that point is more important than being precise about the death toll." Unquote. My point is, there is an agenda to silence the preaching of the gospel in our world. There is an aggressive agenda to break our affection and connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ahab searched relentlessly for Elijah in order to silence him. 1 Kings 18 and verse 10, As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said, He is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. Ahab had thoroughly searched all the surrounding nations for Elijah and had been unsuccessful. Ahab wanted to kill Elijah. But God was protecting him. He viewed Elijah as a threat and a troubler of Israel. Verse 17. Elijah clearly was critical of Ahab and stood against his political agenda. Ahab saw Elijah as one who stood against his political agenda. And that was the reason why he sought to find and to kill him. Ahab's political agenda was purely an agenda of self-promotion. He merely used religion as a means to promote his selfish personal agenda. Secondly, let's look at Jezebel's religious agenda. The marriage of Ahab and Jezebel was undoubtedly political in nature, but the far-reaching results were tragic for the religious faith of Israel. Jezebel's agenda included replacing the worship of Jehovah with Baal worship as the state religion. She was a religious zealot who was committed to exterminating the worship of Jehovah in Israel. Jezebel was exceedingly competent, highly gifted, and a powerful person. She was exceedingly evil. Her father was both a king and priest of Baal in Sidon. Jezebel was a princess and a priestess of Baal. Her Phoenician name was Abizabel, meaning my father Baal is noble. The Hebrew scribes deliberately changed some of the letters in her name, Abizabel, to Jezebel, meaning lack of honor. 
it was clearly in her agenda to silence the prophetic voice in the land. Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 4. Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 13. Idolatry was the fulfillment of her agenda. Jezebel also revived the worship of Asherah, the wife of Baal. The scriptures talk about the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 19. Jezebel supported and cared for the 400 prophets of Asherah. The spirit of Jezebel still exists today because evil spirits don't die. Jezebel's religious agenda was demonically inspired, clearly promoting Satan's agenda. A campaign to silence the prophetic voice in the land and to stop the true worship of God, replacing it with false worship. This agenda is still promoted today. Do you recognize it? Thirdly, we have Obadiah's personal agenda. Obadiah mentioned here is not the author of the book of Obadiah. Obadiah was Ahab's palace official, the minister of state. He served as the king's personal representative. 1 Kings 18 and verse 3, Obadiah was in charge of his house. That's Ahab's house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. He was also a member of the resistance, like Elijah. He was active in resisting the agenda of Ahab and Jezebel. 1 Kings 18 and verse 4, For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them fifty to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. Over 20,000 caves can be found in the vicinity of Mount Carmel many of them capable of holding 50 men. Obadiah would have jeopardized his life in hiding God's prophets. Obadiah, in his search for water, meets Elijah. Now Obadiah was on his way. Suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him, and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord, Elijah? That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 7. Obadiah was understandably reluctant to announce to Ahab that Elijah was back on the scene. Ahab had thoroughly searched all the surrounding nations for Elijah, that's verse 10, and had been unsuccessful. Ahab's growing anger for the prophet might be directed towards Obadiah if Elijah, as was his reputation, should suddenly disappear and not show up for the arranged meeting. 1 Kings 18, verses 10 to 12 in the New Living Translation. For I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on the earth from end to end to find you. And each time when he was told Elijah isn't here, King Ahab forced the king of that nation to swear to the truth of his claim. And now you say, go and tell your master that Elijah is here? But as soon as I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you away to whom knows where. When Ahab comes and cannot find you, he will kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all my life. Obadiah was concerned that the Spirit of the Lord might carry Elijah away to spare him from Ahab. So he said, How have I sinned that you have delivered your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? 
That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 9. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here. He will kill me. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 14. Reporting Elijah's presence without producing him to an already furious Ahab might well cost him his life. That's in essence what Obadiah was telling Elijah. Ahab would kill Obadiah for his false report. Obadiah's position in the royal court was already at risk because he had protected the Lord's prophets. It is clear from Obadiah's words that Ahab intended to kill Elijah. Any failure to capture and retain Elijah would result in his own death. Elijah promised that he would stay around to meet with Ahab. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 15. Obadiah's personal agenda was simply to survive, trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Obadiah represented the common people of Israel, especially those who refused to worship Baal and were part of the resistance. A battle raged between Ahab and Jezebel and the prophet Elijah. Obadiah, like the people of Israel, was just trying to survive. Obadiah was loyal to Jehovah, and he had rejected Baal as his God. However, he was secret about it, hoping to avoid the wrath of Ahab and Jezebel. Christians today have the same attitude that Obadiah had. They keep secret about their faith in Christ for fear of ridicule and misunderstanding and persecution. I will stay loyal to Jesus and serve him. I just won't go public with it. But survival is not enough. We must choose who we will serve, in private and in public. The people of Israel needed to decide who they would serve, Jehovah or Baal. Unlike Obadiah, many in Israel were trying to serve both Jehovah and Baal. Elijah challenged the people of Israel on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 21. Choose today who you are going to serve, Jehovah or Baal. You can't serve both. Choose one. Here are some of the words to the Bob Dylan song, You're Going to Have to Serve Somebody. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be a heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Might be a rock and roll addict prancing on a stage. Might have money and drugs at your commands. Women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's not all of the song, but you get the message. Matthew 6 and verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God 
and mammon. Obadiah's personal agenda was to survive the difficulties he found himself in. God wants our full commitment. Whatever results from that, we are to leave with him. To fully commit ourselves to God will take faith and trust in God. And that's what God wants from us. And finally, let's look at Elijah's divine agenda. Elijah spoke for God fearlessly in the midst of the spiritual vacuum that gripped the northern kingdom throughout the days of Ahab. He stood against Baalism, and his influence reached the highest circles of government in Israel. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. 1 Kings 17 verse 1 because of the Canaanite belief that only Baal could govern the dew and the rain, Elijah's pronouncement was an immediate challenge to Baal. Who is really God, Baal or Jehovah? No rain was a remarkable demonstration of God's superiority over Baal, showing the total inadequacy and falsehood of Baal. Baal was the pagan god of storms and fertility. Baal was the rain god, and Jehovah stopped the rain in Israel for three and a half years. And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. That's 1 Kings 18, verse 1. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. That's 1 Kings 18, and verse 2. The New Testament scriptures indicate that the drought ended in the fourth year and giving us the exact length of the famine as three years and six months. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout the land. That's Luke 4 and verse 25. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. That's James 5 and verse 17. The prophet was instructed by God to appear before Ahab, an action that was extremely dangerous and could have meant his death. So severe was the famine that Ahab and his steward, Obadiah, had searched the land for grass to feed the animals. It is interesting that Ahab appeared to be more concerned for his animals than he was for his own people. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 17. Ahab called Elijah a troubler of Israel, suggesting that Elijah was seeking to do harm to Israel through the drought and the famine. Ahab was mistaken in attributing the lack of rain to Elijah's power. He failed to see that this was the judgment of God on the sin of idolatry. Elijah immediately reversed the charges. It was Ahab who had harmed Israel by his worship of Baal and Ashtoreth. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the command of the Lord and have followed the Baals. That's 1 Kings 18 and verse 18. 
Elijah's agenda was given to him by God. It was to bring Israel to repentance for their abandonment of the worship of Jehovah. Repeatedly, Ahab and Jezebel had opportunity to see that Jehovah was the true God. Baal was powerless to provide life-giving rain during the drought which occurred as Elijah had prophesied. So Elijah was obedient to the agenda that God had given him. Ahab's political agenda was to hold on to political power. It was purely an agenda of self-promotion, a quest for position and power. Jezebel's religious agenda included replacing the worship of Jehovah with Baal worship as the state religion. Jezebel's religious agenda was demonically inspired and she clearly was promoting Satan's agenda. Obadiah's personal agenda was simply survival, trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Obadiah was torn in two directions between his loyalty to Jehovah and his service to Ahab and Jezebel. Obadiah, like many in Israel, was trying to survive, torn between serving Jehovah and Baal. And then Elijah's agenda was given to him by God. He was to bring Israel to repentance for their abandonment of Jehovah God. We have two agendas that were personal. Ahab's political agenda was an agenda of self-promotion. Obadiah's personal agenda was an agenda of personal survival. And then we have two agendas that were given. Jezebel's religious agenda was passed on to her by Satan. And Elijah's divine agenda was given to him by God. What agenda do you follow? Do you have your own personal agenda that you are following? An agenda that you have built or borrowed? When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we begin to discover our God-given purpose in life. We begin to discover and walk in a divine agenda. Do you follow a personal agenda or do you have a God-given agenda? Check back with us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. We will be talking about religion versus faith from the last half of this chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like the podcast, why not submit an iTunes review? Thanks for listening.